All right, if you've got your Bibles with you or a Bible app or something of that nature, head over to Luke chapter 10. We are finishing up Luke chapter 10. I told you to go quicker than chapter 9, and it did indeed go quicker. Um, And so today we're finding ourselves in the story of Mary and Martha, an encounter they have, a visit in their home from uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so we're going to just jump right in and read beginning in verse 38 this morning, and we'll see what God's word has to teach us. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The grass withers, the flower fades. Again, let's pray. Lord, you are so patient, so kind. We, we want to understand what your words meant for Mary and for Martha. But we also want to know what this says to our busy lives today. Would you give us faith to believe these godly words today? And would you change us in the way that only you can change us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is one of those passages in Scripture that honestly can really confuse us pretty quick here. Um, because we kind of just want to know what's right, right? Who's right? And, and we'll just move on from that. And, and, and you know, we start wondering about that, right? Mary is, you know, is she right for sitting there at the feet of the Lord Jesus and is listening? Or is Martha right? Because Martha is actually serving the needs of those people in her house, in her home. And, and you see Jesus' answer here. And so you kind of get this idea, okay, so Mary's right, right? But, but, but you really, you know, kind of want to come to Martha's defense. At least some of you do, I know, right? Because Martha is showing hospitality. Boom. Right? You, you kind of want to come in and correct it. You know, Mary's just being lazy, sitting on the ground. She sees there's stuff to do. Uh, you know, and, and so you almost feel like, oh, this is the setup of Jesus, right? He's done this before with stories, only this one's not a story that he's telling. This is something actually going on. Um, and, and it just kind of feels like a setup in that regard. It's, you know, and, and so you start wondering this, is, is a life of, of contemplation actually better than a life of serving others? Is, is, is that what we're seeing here? And the other part that makes this a little confusing is it's almost impossible for you not to relate to one of these two women one way or the other, right? I mean, I mean, ask yourself, who do you relate to? Are you like Martha? Are you a doer and active? You, you will get things done. You will make sure people feel welcome in your house. Uh, all those kind of things. Or do you find yourself a little bit more like Mary, a little quiet, a more contemplative, more, uh, you know, and want to sit back and listen and learn? And so listen, if we're going to approach this properly, if we're going to come to this rightly, we've really got to lay down the desire to to really defend either of these women. Otherwise, we're just really defending our own actions on some level. So um, so then I I want us to see that while these women are, are different in their temperament, at least in their behavior here, both Mary and Martha are genuine disciples of Jesus, right? That's what we're going to see here. But both of them, when Jesus comes into their house, want to desire to honor Christ. 
Both of them certainly love the Lord Jesus and are showing it in different ways, and both of them are loved by the Lord Jesus. Now, remember, though, that, that Jesus and his disciples here, they're, they're on their way, if you remember, they're traveling, right? And they're headed to Jerusalem. That's the destination. And, and they enter this town. It's the town of Bethany, by the way. And, and, and they meet Martha, and, and she welcomes Jesus into her home. And one of the things we see right there is that Martha is hospitable. That is a gifting she has. It is you know, no one in their right mind would do, and invite them over to their house like this apart from that. And it's a wonderful quality of her. Now, you, you, you might, you know, you, you kind of got to wonder how might you respond if, if on your way home today, you come across Jesus and he's like, we're going to your house, right? You invite him maybe and he goes into your house. How are you going to respond when he gets into your house, right? Are, you're going to want to impress him, right? You're going to kind of hope he'll stay outside long enough so you can go inside and pick up the dirty underwear off the ground, things like that. Because you care, right? You don't want him to come into to whatever it might be. Um, you'd want to offer him drink. You'd want to offer him things to eat. You'd want to make sure he'd be welcomed here. And, and here's the other thing. You understand Jesus is not alone, is he? He's traveling with at least his 12 disciples, probably more than that who are with him. And so there's more than a dozen people who are now just going to pop into your house this afternoon. And Mary see, or Martha and Mary have seen this. They're not prepared. Nothing's ready. And still she wants to provide for them and care for them. In other words, Martha's intentions here are very good, right? They're kind. That is at least how they start off. But, but then we learn that she doesn't live alone. She's got a sister. And uh, by all accounts, the assumption is this is her little sister, not only by the interaction that they have, but uh, because the one who would have invited someone home is most likely the, the older one who's living in the home. So in uh, this passage says she had a sister called Mary. And Martha is most, like I said, the older one. So anyway, the expectation of, of Martha here is that we're going to get home and you marry me and Mary, right? Mary and Martha, rather, are going to get together and they're going to fix stuff and get food and we're going to serve these people and we're going to take care of them. But Mary doesn't do that, does she? Look at verse 39. It tells us Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened. Well, you simply cannot scurry around the kitchen and at the same time sit calmly at the feet of the Lord and listen to him. And so Mary made a choice that was very different than Martha's in this moment. Here she is sitting, resting, listening, learning. And, and that's not Martha's experience. And I know you kind of get this, but you've got to go a little slower through here to really catch on what's going on. Look at verse 40. First of all, it says, but Martha. Anytime you see, uh, you know, but in the scripture like that, this is one of those words that just draws our attention, right? Because there's some contrast, something changing here. And in this case, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Okay? When, when our children were younger... Uh, we were in Kansas City. Beckham had learned from Sunday school this, this game. And he came home and he wanted to teach us the Mary and Martha game. And the idea was that uh, we'd all gather around and um, I was to hold open a Bible and, and, and read it. And they kind of wandered around. And, and when Laura would say Mary, they would stop and they'd sit down and they'd listen to, to me read the Bible. And when Mary would shout, Mar- shout Martha, they would just go around crazy cleaning everything in the room, right? Just going nuts from it. And they absolutely loved the game. Nothing really got cleaned or we would have played the game all the time. <laughs> but that's the way it goes. Um, and, and the game was great, though, because it really helped to understand that for Martha, the priority was this doing of things like movement, take care of things, prepare things, check things off list, all these physical things. And, and it was such a different idea from what Mary was doing at that moment. Right. 
And so Martha's cooking and cleaning and hosting. And she cares about the physical needs of them. And while Mary's just simply focused on Jesus. And so our passage tells us here, though, but Martha was distracted with much serving. That, that word distracting here, there's two things interesting about this. One, uh, it's translated into English, but the word it's translated from literally means to drag around. I mean, think about that in terms of the things that distract you. To drag around is what it comes from. In this case, she's dragging around this huge expectation of what these people need if she is going to properly uh, show them hospitality in her home. Right? Now, I love that it says that she's distracted from much serving. Because we don't speak that way. Right. That's a positive thing in that regard. Right. I'm fairly certain if I had said this, written this, I would have said Martha was was focused on much serving. That's what her focus was on. Not not that's what her distraction was on. Uh, I mean, think of it this way. When when a student's in a classroom and and they're supposed to be listening to the teacher as the teacher reads. Right. uh, That's what they're supposed to be doing. And, And instead of listening to the teacher, they're looking at the wall behind the teacher and they're reading a poster on on the wall. Right. In that case, you might say that, that the student, she is distracted with reading. Not because reading is a bad thing. Reading is a really good thing. In fact, the whole reason that someone hung that poster on the wall to begin with was, we want you to read this. This has information we want you to see uh, right, at some point. It's just, this is not the particular moment that you need to be reading that. At this particular moment, the priority is to be listening to what the teacher is saying. And, and, and so you see then, this, in this moment... What is a genuinely good thing, right? Good all around becomes a distraction because of the particular moment it's happening. Now, Martha truly believes that the priority of the moment was serving. And so while serving, she begins to look around, as we probably all tend to do, right? And notice who's not serving with the same effort that I'm serving at, at this right now. I mean, you, you ever do that? You ever get together with the extended family at Thanksgiving and, you know, you're, you're working somewhere, doing something to contribute to the meal or whatever it is. And then you realize that one of your one of your siblings, someone is in the other room watching football while you're working your butt off. Right. And suddenly it becomes this huge offense of like, how dare they do that? Well, I'm working hard in here, um, <clears throat> you know, or 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 kids. You ever realize in your house when it's time to actually clean up the big mess you made that. <clears throat> you find yourself frustrated at your brother or sister, right? You're, you're supposed to be cleaning, but all you can think about is how much someone else in the house, one of your siblings, is not cleaning with you, right? That's the part you want to go and, and announce. And, you know, it just it frustrates us. You might find yourself doing it anywhere, here at church even. You know, I'm serving all the time. Why don't they ever serve? Something of that nature. Uh, life is full of opportunities to compare yourself or, or your level of serving with the serving of somebody else. And yet, if we're honest, we know that we, we only do this when we know we're the one serving. Right? The, the sibling sitting on the couch watching football and like, wow, she's working hard and I'm doing nothing. <laughs> you don't ever do that. And so Martha is distracted with much serving. And when she sees that Mary is focused on much learning, she becomes angry. There's no other way around it. Her response tells us that, right? She, she takes these concerns to Jesus. That's a good thing, right? She addresses him respectfully, Lord. Uh, but then what does she have to say here? It's, it, it's an accusation, right? Look at it in verse 40. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? That's an accusation. That's not one of those real questions. 
It's, you know, she's not only angry at Mary we see here, right? Mary, this non-contributing zero of a family member. But she's also angry at Jesus in this moment because he's not stopping it. She's saying, Jesus, you haven't told Mary to do what I think she should be doing to help me. You must not care. That's all I can conclude here. And Martha's not the first to make that accusation. You remember in, uh, well, it's in Mark 4.38, when the disciples are crossing the sea, and we saw this too early in Luke, but the storm comes and Jesus is asleep. And there it says, they woke him and they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do something. That's what Mary or Martha's getting at here. You ever feel tempted to make the exact same accusation to God at some point in your life? Right? Life's not everything you thought it should be. Things don't go the way you thought they should go. Maybe you, you want to say, God, I, I have been working hard for your kingdom, and yet th- there hasn't been much fruit. Do you, do you, do you even care? Or, or God, I, I'm faithful to you. I, I've been faithful, and yet my marriage is struggling. Do you even care? Maybe it, it goes unspoken, but... Now, are we wondering to ourselves in, in one way or another, Lord, do you even care? If our, if our own expectations, listen to this, if our own expectations have become the litmus test for whether God cares for us, then we've really failed to, to grasp the gospel. We've really failed to see the, the undeniable love of God for his people in the gospel. We've really failed to see just how deeply he does care. Right? Where, where, where God has accomplished redemption and forgiveness of sin for us. And, and, and what do we contribute? Nothing. God cares. Now, in our passage, Martha <clears throat> follows up these accusations with not so much a request as a command to Jesus. Right? That's not a wise thing to do, by the way. Uh, it, it's like Martha's saying, okay, prove you care. Prove you care. Right? That, that's the heart of those words you see there at the end of verse 40. Tell her... To help me. Right? Then I'll know you care. She, she wants Jesus to legislate Mary's behavior. And without realizing it, she's asking Jesus to send Mary away from the, the place where she is finding rest. The place where she is being spiritually nourished by the Lord of the Lords and the King of Kings. Now be honest. Did, did you kind of hope whenever you first read this? I, think, I know most of you know how this goes. But did you kind of hope... Yeah, send her. Send her to help Martha. Was that kind of how you wanted the story to go, right? I mean, especially you efficient types. You know, you get stuff done types. You, you probably already thought it through and think, I have a better plan. Forget sending, you know, Mary to help. Get, you have, what, 12 disciples? What are those lazy guys doing? Send them over there. You, you've listed it out, all right? We're all going to serve. We're going to clean stuff up and cook stuff. And then we can all sit down and listen to Jesus. Boom, fixed it. That's kind of like, I mean, I'm not the only one who went there, am I? Okay, I see a few shaking heads. None of you men hardly, though. Uh, <laughs> now, you, you, you might be absolutely right. That's a better plan, but you missed the point if you go that direction. Because th- this isn't about, like, efficiency or pragmatism. It's, it's about priority is what, what Jesus is getting at here. And, and, and we as a, a culture, even in the church, we, we really struggle with putting priority into actual real-world practice. We can list it off, fine, right? I'm, boom, I know what this is, this is, this is. But it's a struggle to put into real-world practice. And, and so how does our Lord respond to Mary in this moment of her frustration, right? He's like, okay, Mary, get in there. 
She's angry. Uh, No, look at verse 41. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus knows that Martha is anxious. And he doesn't just know it because he's God. He, everyone in the room knows that Martha's anxious at this point. Uh, and he says that, Martha, Martha. Jesus saying her name there has some huge significance. There's an actual reason for that. There are seven other instances in the scriptures where someone's name is said twice like that. You've got Abraham, Abraham, when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Trust him. You've got Jacob, Jacob, when Joseph learned that Jacob, his son, was not dead as he'd long believed. And he was getting this wonderful new news. You've got Moses, Moses, when God spoke to him in the burning bush. You've got Samuel, Samuel, when God calls Samuel to be his prophet. Simon, Simon, when Peter is told that he's going to betray Jesus three times before the rooster crows. You've got Saul, Saul, which will later become Paul's name, right? When, when Jesus encounters this future apostle uh, as he's traveling to Damascus to persecute his church, the Christians. And, and of course, Jesus himself speaks this way on the cross when he's praying uh, to his father. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see the significance when we see this in Scripture of speaking both ways or saying the word twice. It's all about intimacy. There's a closeness there that's happening here. And so even in the midst of this correction, Jesus is actually comforting Martha. She, she needs to know it's, it's for your own good that I don't do what you want me to do here. He's saying, you know, this, this will not go your way because I care. Right? And that answers that question she was kind of asking, right? Lord, do you not care? Martha, Martha, I do care. He, he continues speaking to Martha, saying, You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. I used to think when I first read that, that it meant one simple meal was all that was necessary. Like this was too complex. Um, here's. Kind of let's get into what that means. See, the truth is we, we really don't need much in life as God's people, as God's children. Um, we don't. We, we want a lot of things. We have a lot of things, right? We, we want gadgets and entertainments and cultural experiences and travel experiences and all that kind of thing. We, we want the diplomas and degrees and more diplomas and more degrees and titles and accolades of all sorts. We, we do. We want nicer homes and nicer cars and nicer phones and nicer clothes. And, and yet deep down, we, we already know that we really don't need all this. What we, what we really need is, is Jesus. I know that that's really all we need. And we receive Jesus by grace through faith, which requires absolutely nothing financially. And I mean this, right? The gospel is the one thing that you need for the sake of eternity. Knowing that you will die, knowing that you're a sinner, the one thing you need is the gospel. And it's also the one thing that cannot be lost by old age, or by flood, or fire, by bankruptcy, by heartache, by um, academic failure, or melting ice caps, or political turmoil, or by war, or disease, or, or anything else. And salvation is ours in Christ in times of poverty, in times of prosperity, 
You ever, you ever notice how close Martha's story here is to the sower of the seeds parable? Um, in Mark 4, 19, let me just read this to you. It says, uh, The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The cares of the world. We tend to always think of that as some terrible stuff, don't we? Um, in Martha's home, the cares of the world, it's not greed. It's nothing terrible like that. And yet they have distracted Martha from hearing God's word in this moment. In our, in our passage, Jesus then explains to her, he says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, this is not an encouragement towards laziness. If you're naturally lazy, don't think like, yes, I should just sit and read my Bible. That's it. I will do no work from this day forward. Uh, no, <laughs> right? I shouldn't have to explain this, but just in case, laziness is not a biblical virtue, right? You would not glorify God if you just sat around just reading your Bible and praying while, while your house and your education and your career just wasted away. It's okay. I'm praying. Um, However, it does cause us to ask an honest question. What am I more concerned about today? Every day you kind of ask this. Am I, am I, and we kind of touched on this last week. We're hitting again, which tells me there's something here. Uh, you know, am I more concerned about my to-do list or my Savior? Would, would I rather get everything done today or not and have some time to spend with the Lord in his word and prayer? And I realize that is an oversimplified question, but, but, but how every one of us, each of us answer that question is, is a much more complex thing. Because there, there's still that nagging objection that we always want to come back with, right? This is unreasonable. It's just unreasonable. Because you and I, we both know that eventually the, the, the hostess, right, would, would need to prepare some food for their guests. But, but here's what we've got to understand. This is not the moment. Jesus was speaking in this moment. Jesus was sharing things in this moment. Now was not the moment for that. And, and that's where Martha really misses it. It's, it, it's about not, not just having right priorities, right, intellectually then, but, but actually practicing the priorities that we proclaim. You ever, you ever find yourself uh, around somebody who just moves all the time? Like you just... just could you just sit down, stop cleaning stuff, stop messing with your phone for a minute? Could you just stop a moment and just, just sit with me? Um, talk with me? Do, do, you ever, do you ever get the, the feeling that, that maybe even your, your spouse or your children or your roommates just want to say to you, hey, would you, would you just stop for a moment, just for a moment, and just, just sit here for a moment? But, but you find yourself just, I need to get this stuff done. There's work to be done, whether it's housework or work work or schoolwork. You know, there's, there's this idea is far-reaching in how we live, but, but, but I do want you to know the context here is very specific. And, and Jesus tells us that, that Mary chose the good portion. Over a half dozen times in the Psalms, God is actually referred to as a, a portion, right? The, the good portion. He's called a, you know, satisfying, things of that way is how it's typically put. And, and there's something else implied here in the portion. If there's a portion, then, then there's also a, a whole, right? There's more than just that one portion, right? I, I eat a portion of a pumpkin pie. It might be half the pie, but it's still a portion, 
of the pie, and that implies there is more pie to be had. And so what Jesus is saying is, is yes, there is another portion. Things do need to get done. They do. Uh, hospitality doesn't happen if we do nothing, right? The, the homeless aren't cared for if we, if we only do Bible studies all the time. Our, our families will suffer if we decide to forgo laundry, and, and we're only having family devotions, family worship time from here on out, no laundry, no cleaning. But, but in that moment here, there, there's something more important than productivity. In this situation, Martha is anxious and troubled. She, she is bitter at her sister. If she really got down to it, she is frustrated at Jesus. And meanwhile, what's Mary doing? Mary's resting at the feet of Jesus, listening, learning. In this moment of time, and Jesus says that, that's the good portion, and that has to be discerned in our life at times. Now, I keep telling you this is about practicing priority, and I, I want to take you over to Matthew six thirty-two and 34 real quick, where, where Jesus says this, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We are most aware of the kingdom of God when we're resting in Jesus. That's why Jesus corrects Martha, but he does not correct Mary here. The correction isn't cruel, by the way. He's really helping Martha to realign her priorities back to where they should be, back to the values of the kingdom in this instance. Now, the, the difficult part of a passage like this, I'll, I'll tell you, is that it's not universally applicable, right? Like, don't punch your neighbor. You'd be like, don't punch your neighbor. Well, what should I do? Well, don't punch your neighbor. Um, this is a little tougher to make, make sense in your life because every situation is going to be a little different. And, and one of the things you learn as you begin walking with the Lord and walking through his scripture is that there are moments where you have to discern it. But what does, what does applying this, what does living this way look like in this situation? And, and that can be a little more difficult. And so um, <clears throat> we're learning here, you know, what, what is best as a priority over a number of other things that, that may be good. Now, here's the thing. Many hours later, food would indeed become more important. But in, in this moment when Mary chooses the good portion, right, and Jesus says this good portion is not going to be taken from her. That, and that's because, right, it's, it's eternally, spiritually beneficial for her. Now, Martha wasn't sinning at any point here. Well, she wasn't sinning in her decision to, to go and make food. She was just distracted uh, with something good with serving her guests. And, and we know we, we all can find ourselves distracted with very good things as well. Um, I'll tell you, a few years back when I first kind of read this, this passage and um, I was on vacation. At the time, I, I, I realized that I had been going through this time where I would preached every Sunday for over four months. And that might not sound like much, but your brain starts to get in this, this pattern of kind of always wrestling through things for, for preparation, which is a little different uh, than when you read scripture other ways. And in the weeks leading up to that break, I would slowly found myself feeling just mentally tired and, and, and so I tried to be more efficient with my time, you know, finish the liturgy and the bulletins and meeting with people and the sermon and paying bills and emails and preparing this or that kind of thing. And this is not a woe is me. I know I have a much better schedule than 99% of you. Uh, but, but there was a, a busyness. And, and, and I'm not going to say there weren't wonderful things that I learned during this time, but uh, I kept moving and just going and going and going. And, and a lot of the time, my time in the Word was like, like eating food, right? Have you ever had some just wonderful food and there's just stuffed your face with it so fast? You're like, I don't even, it was good, but I can't remember eating it. It happened so fast. 
Um, okay, amen. Thank you. <laughs> um, right? And, and so it was kind of that way. I just it didn't take the time to, to sit and enjoy it. And that was the way I was approaching Scripture in the moment, uh, at that moment. And in terms of our passage, I was trying to live at Martha's pace while, while keeping Mary's priorities. And I found you just can't. You can't. Right? They just they go different directions. And on that week off, I wasn't preparing anything, and I slowed down, and I was, I was reading in Scripture slowly, slowly over and over and noticing nuances within the text and asking questions and following cross-references and doing it all very slowly with prayer and, and no intention beyond just the care of my own soul, just for the nourishment of my own soul. And, and I tell you all this, right? Not... I mean, one, as pastors, that's the way things go for us, too, sometimes. You're not the only one. But, but really, because I, I want to ask you this question. When was the last time you did that? I know you're busy. You are. I, I'm not denying that. It's not an easy thing to do. But when, when's the last time you said, I'm just going to set apart a little time and, and just meet with the Lord in the Scriptures and read it? Not to prepare for something else. Not, not to prepare for, you know, Jen Wilkins' Bible study coming up. Not to prepare for anything of that nature. Just, just to, to listen to, to God's scriptures and, and just, just enjoy it. Right? Not to check it off some to-do list even. of did my devotions today. Things should go great. Um, but, but just to enjoy the Lord and his word. When was the last time you did that? Um, and here's the other thing, as, as the pastor of many of you, and just some guy you see standing talking in front of you for some of you, uh, as someone, though, that does care about you, your spiritual formation, I, I want you to do that this week. Okay, there are a lot of hours in the week. Most of them are going to get filled with all kinds of wonderful, good things. I'm not saying other things aren't good. They are. But to find just one hour this week where you set it apart, go open up a psalm, the book of John, something you might be already reading, and just spend some time in prayer and in scripture, sitting at the feet of the Lord, right? Do it in the morning, do it at noon. If you're really weird, you can do it late at night. I don't know how people do that, but whatever really fits with your schedule. Uh, and just spend some slow time in the scripture. And, and here's the other thing. Do it with a paper Bible or turn the notifications on your phone off. Just somehow make sure you're not going to be distracted in this time. Um, uh, and also, let me ask you this. What, what good things maybe distract you from sitting at the, the feet of the Lord, right? Go through your life and your schedule. Where, where is the things that's like, I don't have time to read scripture because of that and, and start thinking through that, right? Because you're going to start finding it. Housework, ministry to others. Maybe it's just parenting. I'm, I'm in a stage of life, those kind of things. You know, what, what good things are actually distracting you? And, and figure out, can you, can you carve out some time so that's not the case? Um, so, uh Let's see. You, you ever notice how much, how most of us actually answer that question? Sorry, this is building on that question. I was thinking about this. How many times you ask someone, how are things going, and what's their answer? Good. What's the other answer you tend to get? Tired. Busy. Those are the ones I hear all the time. I, I will say it too. Like, how are you doing? I'm busy. Okay, how are you doing? Uh, Right? We, we say that, and, and, and most of us feel the weight of busy. And you can't compare your busy to someone else because everyone has different capacity for it. But, you know, and I understand that, students, you have got projects and reading and paper and tests and work and sports and musicals and friendships and dating or whatever you call dating. 
Um, <clears throat> I, you're talking, right? I don't know what that means, but I know that you say that. Anyway, <clears throat> parents, you've got difficult sleep schedules, work stuff, driving people around. You're personal Uber for people at times. Uh, you know, listen, I understand. You, you wake up every day, and, and, and you know, I, I told you this already a little bit, but I wake up every day, and I, I have to just fight this, this mentality of I've got this to-do list on my, my phone, and there's this weird little, like, uh, is it dopamine? Is that the word? That's like, I can check that off, and there's this satisfying little ding of I am completing things. It's beautiful. Uh, and, and every time I check it off, right, there, there, there's this... The, the sense of you got to somehow set apart some time to just meet with the Lord and in, in slowness, right? To, to really take some time to sit at the feet of the Lord and be intentional about that. Um, you know, let's, let's learn with Martha here what it means to really choose what's better at times and, and, and what it means to be, you know, to really just seek to be satisfied in the Lord, even if our to-do list has to be postponed a bit. It's okay sometimes to put something off for this. And so every morning you'll be asking this question, you know, what's it, what's it going to be today? Is there any time in my day that I can do this? Um, or will I only go, go, go like Martha? Uh, let me ask you just one more thing about this passage today and then we'll be done. What, what, what exactly, tell me this, what exactly did Jesus teach Mary as she sat at his feet? Anybody know? That's, you don't know, do you? And that's, that's kind of the point where we can experience this a little bit because just like Martha, you weren't there to hear it. You weren't there to hear it. And Martha missed it too. And, and, and really, like I say, that's, that's the point, right? That's, that's why you're here listening right now to God's word being expounded. It's the, the point when you have devotional times and participate in Bible studies and campus groups and you know, to actually hear God's word as it's taught to us in that way. Now, on any given Sunday during the worship service, you know, whoever's preaching, we might misspeak in one way or another. I'm certainly going to mispronounce something if it's me, uh, right? The pianist might make mistakes when they're playing. Your Sunday school teachers might forget something for their Sunday school class. And, and you know, the things might go wrong that way. You, you might walk into the sanctuary every Sunday morning and just find yourself worn out and just feeling broken from the experience of life. But, but let us come each Sunday morning, and, and even if we're serving with the, the vigor of Martha in some aspect, when we, when we get to finally sit down in here together, may we seek to do so with this temperament of Mary that, that, that has just let go of perfection and sits listening to whatever it is God has to teach us in that moment. Let's choose the good portion which cannot be taken away. I want to close with these words, actually from a Table Talk article from a few years back, uh, and then we'll pray. It reads this. Fallen human beings, beings need the weekly routine of listening, which requires a halt to the questioning, philosophizing, and speculation we, are so, we so often entertain. Mary was commended by the Lord because she chose what was best. She knew that when the Lord speaks, we are to listen, absorb, and to delight in hearing his voice. There is a time and a place for discussing and asking questions about the word of God. It serves a real purpose, but frankly, it matters more what God has to say than what we have to say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. Please teach us to sit at your feet and to listen to what is written in the scriptures. Teach us to put ourselves in places where we hear your word expounded with genuine reverence. As we asked at the opening, we now ask at the closing. Lord, please 
Change us in the way we need to change. Give us wisdom to to know how to apply this to to our specific situations. Please silence our excuses for living at a pace we were not made to live at. May our lives be lived each and every day for your glory. Amen.